Rich, I'll introduce you first because then um, Ben. Ken. <laughs> Don't do that. You're, you're, he's going to be like, you're going to hear like, let me talk to my, my next guest, Ben. <laughs> In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. Yes, I do love that music. Uh, I also I also love our voiceover talent, Mel, who uh, uh, Mel does a fantastic job, and she also uh, you may recognize her as uh, as the voice that does the intro for the Oil and Gas Tech Show. So uh, that sh- that's of course is my other my other one, which is kind of a sister show to this one. Um, and, and Mel does the intro for both of those. So Mel, if you're out there and you're listening, uh, thank you for being, uh, for, for, for being a great voice talent. Uh, the tech show, by the way, if you haven't, um, if you haven't heard, if you're, if you're listening to this, which by the way, welcome to Oil & Gas Digital Doers, the all new Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast. Uh, you probably knew that when you pushed the button, but I feel like I'm supposed to say it at the beginning. And if you haven't also listened to Oil & Gas Tech, which is my other show, both right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network, which, by the way, is the largest and most listened to podcast network for the oil and gas industry. If you haven't heard the tech show, then if you like Digital Doers, then you're going to like the tech show because we, 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 we get a little bit more into the technology there, whereas on this one we talk more about. Uh, and, and here it comes, getting digital done. So that is what uh, this show is about. And I have a great story today with some with some <laughs> excellent guests. I uh, actually got inside the walls this time at ExxonMobil at their uh, expansive and sparkling and amazing North Houston campus. And uh, um, but but I have to but I have to come clean because I'm I'm actually not there right now. Um, I was I, I recorded this intro uh, separately because. When I was up there a few days ago to record with uh, with my friends uh, uh, Ken Bennett and no <laughs> Ben Kennett, you'll find out later when you listen to the interview why that's funny. Ben Kennett and uh, and Rich Copsey, um, who you're going to hear in just a minute. And so I went up there a few days ago to record with them, and we were short for time, uh, mostly because I was late. And so I said, okay, I have an idea how we can save time right now. Uh, we can just not do that part at the beginning where I ramble for a few minutes about something, and we'll and we can also not do that part at the end where I ramble about something for a few minutes, and that will save us some time. Um, but you, my dear listeners, uh, are not exempt from the pre-ramble and the post-ramble because there's a few things that I got to tell you about. One is that the sponsor of this show, Top Coder, is uh, is a fantastic sponsor. They're a good friend of OGGN, and if you're not familiar with Top Coder, then you need to check them out because if you're looking at how to get digital done. These guys can help you. I promise it's true. Just go to topcoder.com or you can hit that rewind button all the way back to the very first episode of this show, episode number one. And I'm talking with uh, our good friend at Top Coder, Clinton Bonner, who, by the way, is an experienced podcaster himself. And so it's a great episode and uh, and you can learn all about it 
there as well. So check out topcoder.com. We love our sponsors at OGGN because without them, there is no us. And by the way, we only work with winners. So if we like them, you're probably going to like them. So check them out, show them some love. All right, that's the pre-ramble. Now, uh, this, uh, this, this episode today, again, as I said, Rich Copsey and... Ben Kennett, and uh, we had a great conversation just a few days ago. So I'm gonna just uh, I'm gonna let our audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, stitch this together, and here we go. And that gets us to our guest today. I am sitting here um, out here at the stunningly serene Exxon Mobile campus, uh, where there are now people again up and down the hallways. And uh, I, I was I haven't been here for about a it's been over a year, so I'm glad to see that everything's still in working order and uh, things are still going the way they're supposed to. I'm here with uh, with these two guys who I feel like we're old friends now because we've been planning this episode for so long and we had a couple fast starts, fast starts, false starts. But uh, I'm here with Rich Copsey and Ben Kennett, also known as Ken Bennett. So if I interchange those <laughs> names uh, throughout the episode... <laughs> You'll know why, but um, but so let's do a couple. Let's do some introductions uh, first. So, Rich, and by the way, Rich, I, I think you're like a longtime friend of OGGN, right? Like, haven't you known Mark uh, for a long time? I right? I met Mark back when I was with uh, with Anadarko. Right. And then, and oh, I used to love that company. Yeah, I that used was, to love that company as well. Uh, that was a great company. And and uh, so now you're here at ExxonMobil, and um, you're you're something. I think you're something like a technology innovation guy or something, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah. I'm a I'm a technology innovation advisor. I'm, advisor. I'm in the upstream, um, in, our, in our upstream integrated solutions organization, and uh, I've been here for about a year and a half now, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, last year was kind of. Kind of went by. We, we, we sort of lose track uh, of time. Uh, my wife always tells me, she, now she always says, look, anytime you say that happened two years ago, you have to add one year for COVID because it, like, it's been like blanked out from our, <laughs> from our, uh, from our experience. Um, also, I, I know a couple of interesting things about Rich. Uh, I know you, 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 were in the, you were in the Air Force, right? And I was did, in the Air Force. You, you yeah. did some like NATO work or something, if uh, I recall? Prior to, yeah, when, before I left, uh, left the Air Force, I was working for, for NATO. Up uh, in Germany. So, are you allowed to talk about any of that? Uh, I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was doing I was doing software project management back in those days for the uh, the airborne early warning system. So the those flying radars that you uh, you may okay. have seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and and you do some piloting now too, right? I think. Well, no. So, <laughs> I actually. I left the Air Force to become a commercial pilot. I had that. that was okay. uh, I got that. Merit that explains badge. why you're here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So my yeah my <laughs> not a good commercial pilot. <laughs> the, the road <laughs> the road that I took to get to where I am today is long and winding. Let's just so we may have way. to just have a separate episode just to do the Rich Copsey story. <laughs> we um, certainly could. There's we'll there's hair extensions in there. It gets crazy. <laughs> It, 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 you know, sometimes I do need a I do need a guest at the last minute, so I'll keep that in mind. We might be able, we might have to come back to that. All right, and also um, Ben Kennett, <laughs> um, and you're the you're the longtime Exxon Mobil. It's, it's been a long time, right, that you've been here, or am I remembering wrong? Oh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, I started working straight out of school twenty years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So not, so this is it. Well, so so before this campus, where or were you at one of the other fifteen different? Uh, you weren't at Greenspoint, I hope. Cause no, was, no. I I spent most of my career overseas. Um, uh, uh, 
I'll call it batting back before between um, Europe, Africa, Asia, um, and most recently back in the U.S. Actually, it's funny. I actually have that in my notes here. Uh, Let's see if I got this right. Uh, Singapore. So the countries that you've lived in are Singapore, Norway, Scotland, England, South Korea, Angola, Kazakhstan, and Louisiana. That's that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the whole. That's a lot. That's a lot. And, and but you were an operations guy, right? So, operations and projects. Yep. So so for so we have a lot of um, we have a very diverse audience. I mean, diverse in different ways, but diverse in terms of people that work in different parts of the industry or people maybe who aren't in the industry and they're trying to learn more about the industry. So like when we say shop talk, when we say you were in operations and projects, um, which are two different things. Like, what is that? Just, like, sum that up for folks. Operations is like field operations. If you think about um, managing an asset, whether it's, you know, uh, offshore in the North Sea or a large gas plant um, in Southern Europe or an FPSO in, in West, offshore West Africa, that's, that's field operations where your day-to-day kind of folks hands-on tools doing work if you I I call it the people with the grid underneath their fingernails Um, projects are are major capital projects where it's you know a a four-year type of assignment where you're you're going from front-end engineering design all the way through startup of a major capital investment yeah yeah right now sometimes a project like gets to a point and it it flips over to operations, right? That's exactly what happens. Yeah. So at some point in time, after you get it designed and built and commissioned, you hand it over to operations. Right, right. And yeah. all those people are very fluent in each other's language and work exactly the same way and are great at communicating and <laughs> the handoff goes smoothly, right? You know, the operations people don't necessarily always like the construction people. The construction people don't like the design people. The design people don't necessarily like the concept selection people. That's yeah. kind of the way that it goes. <laughs> sort of a backflow problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but one thing that they all don't like um, is, uh, <laughs> we were joking before about science experiments. Um, this this digital transformation thing wasn't something that they, all the that 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 crowd embraced very uh, very rapidly, right? Yeah, I think uh, digital transformation does in some circles, let's call it operational circles, especially with folks with a lot of grit under their fingernails. They think about it in very abstract terms, and when people come to them sometimes with various concepts. Um, it can be difficult to just get past kind of the front door, if you call yeah, it. Yeah, sure, sure. And I. So, how, so, so, what, what converted you? Well, so, I, well, I would say. By the way, you are in in, the, yeah. in this. And, and what is your? So, your I have it here somewhere. Uh, yeah, well, you're upstream uh, technology acceleration, something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, we we have a little group called the Acceleration Hub for Research and Technology. Um, I think part of my penance, if you will, of, of being in the company for the last 20 years and doing only projects and operations and not yeah. really seeing the front end of then right. all that research and technology and the benefit of it, um, that's why I'm here. And also to be converted, if you will. So Yeah. yeah. So, you're, so hopefully your time in purgatory will be short. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, but, but what was it? So what, what was it that... Um, because it is interesting that you two guys are working together um, on, and we're going to talk about this thing called the innovation framework. But what what made you, um, besides just feeling that you needed to have a penance, what what, uh, what yes. flipped you? 
I give you the example that um, my last major operational assignment was in Kazakhstan. Um, in Kazakhstan, there's a joint venture called North Caspian Operating Company. Uh, we literally um, built an island out in the Caspian Sea. Um, the Caspian Sea in that part of the region is, um, is, is an Arctic climate in the winter and then mm -hmm. a desert climate, if you will, in the summer. So pretty different vacation environments. <laughs> They're building condos right now. <laughs> uh, the, the resource base, meaning the, the oil and the gas underneath the ground, um, was high in concentration of H2S. So that's a very toxic gas that if if you had to release, it would, if you had, for example, a balloon in this room and you released it, it would kill all of us in, a, in an instant. Wow. Um, and that's just under the ground. There. That's under the ground and you got to bring it up. This is, Earth, this is planet Earth we're talking about, right? <laughs> this isn't like some <laughs> you got to bring it. Yeah. You got to bring it up above the ground and then it has that toxicity and you've got to manage that very carefully. Um, right. And obviously you the people that are in your care, you need to make sure that they stay safe as they're sure. operating yeah, that. Yeah. And then you're at, you're at like 650 bar um, as, a, as a pressure when it comes out of the ground. Mm. So you can think about it as a very, in, in a very pristine part of um, actually the, the region where the Caspian Sea is, is really a lot of the industry if you will, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. for the, the local population in terms right. of fishing and other sure. means. So, um, you know, our, our initial, my initial, I'll call it introduction to some of this digital transformation is when, when some folks in, in my team came to me and said, hey, I believe that it becomes a very dangerous situation um, when you have what's called a transient event in operations during startup or shutdown. These transient events are basically when um, something changes in the operating environment and then you have to quickly react. And, right. and we don't design really for transient events extremely well. We have safeguards and other things, but this is where sure. a lot of things go wrong. And, and basically the pitch was, um, hey, based on some analytics and, and some some sensor data that we're going to collect 75 clicks away from a pipeline from the island that you're managing, we want to then take over the control of the entire um, offshore island and safely put it into a stable or shutdown position or, or full recycle position. And this is after we had, tr we had drilled and trained our, our operators for the last nine or 12 months to react to this, sure. this very yeah. dangerous situation. Yeah. And then they came to me and basically said, I want to take all of that control away from you. And I, st and now I just want to then let, let's call it the black box do its yeah. work. Yeah. Right? Which sounded like a great idea to you. Yeah. It, I, I threw them out of the office <laughs> and I said, don't ever come back. Yeah. Um, and, and lo and behold, you know, now I'm in this, this um, position right now, and we're having that same conversation with other sure. plants around the world. And what we're realizing is that we actually can make it a safer environment for those yeah. folks by actually taking some of the judgment out that they may have to take, take some personal risk or a risk that they may not have thought about um, well, and instead shut something down safely to really keep them safe. Yeah. Well, and it's great that that you can go and talk to people because 
having been that person, right? It's not like, like me or Rich goes and, you know, they're going to look at us like, uh, you ain't from here. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's good to have, to have the first convert to be able to go back, you know, and, and, and so that's good. All right. So, so the rest, uh, as they say, is history. And so now here you are, uh, doing this stuff and, and, um, and we get to this thing that we that we really wanted to talk about today, uh, which is this uh, Exxon Mobil innovation framework. So, and, and as I understand it, Rich, you're like the you're like the godfather of the innovation <laughs> framework. Is it? Uh, um, is that, I don't know if I call myself the godfather, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say I certainly was uh, was part of uh, getting that sort of off the ground. Well, it's sure. good because every time you have a job that ends with the word advisor, you want to make sure that you're actually doing things. Exactly. Right. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise advice. someday people decide they don't need your advice anymore. And, and, uh, yeah. So, so what is the, so, so what is it like? So like that's a good broad seg- brushstroke. Yeah, yeah. That's a good segue in the advisor uh, right. bit there. So, you know, so I, I mentioned, I've only been at this company for about a year and a half. Um, and as I came in as an, as a technology innovation advisor, I said, well, you know, having been at other oil and gas companies, I know process is a thing. So before I start to advise on anything, let me, th- let me understand how do we uh, innovate or execute innovation, taking ideas to value at ExxonMobil. Um, so new hire, let me get on our intranet, do a search. And I was inundated with information, all good things, right? But right. what came to mind was, you know, we're doing these fantastic things and, and have all these processes to turn ideas into value. But doing them somewhat differently, and so um, talking to Ben introduced me to to some folks in a group called the Cross Sector Innovation Group, which is a, a group of folks made up of, you can imagine based on the name, it's a cross section of the Exxon Mobil population, yeah. so folks from upstream fuels and lubes, finance, HR, IT, you name it. So, so that I mean that by itself is kind of like innovation because typically in a, in a company like this, those people don't ever cross that like don't talk to each other don't know about each other aren't even in the same conversations right well so there are i call them innovation support groups everywhere <laughs> and many companies have them um and so this was this is perhaps a more more formalized version of that um led by nazir Bohr in in our um research company right 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 so innovation so support groups like to help me to help me cope with my innovation type challenges, of right? <laughs> my innovation challenges. Well, so going back to you know, here I was inundated with information on how do we how do we innovate at ExxonMobil, right? And now you put yourself in the shoes of any other uh, individual at this company who may be struggling with a how sure. do I turn my idea into something more real, right? Right. Um, which is then that was sort of the catalyst for this innovation framework. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how did how did it? Uh, um, so how did it, so so it didn't exist at the time, and now it does exist. Yeah, and in fact, I'll call it. We we used riches not invented here. You know, given he was not invented here or didn't come from, <laughs> you know, start in this company immediately after he got out of school. Right. Plus, kind of the variety of experiences that that he has had, not only in the oil and gas sector but otherwise. And his sort of constant external lens, if you will, of just out there looking and searching for mm-hmm. some, some what, what good looks like in terms of frameworks. We used all of that in combination to then have Rich lead this effort, um, which 
actually brought quite a bit of credibility, if you will, of, hey, since it's not invented here, it must be really good. So, so that's a switch, though, right? It I is. Mean, that's, it is. And this is, I, I've observed this, actually, here at ExxonMobil just the last, I don't know, it's been two or three years. There is, there's, it appears to be a deliberate kind of mindset shift toward thinking in a more friendly way, uh, particularly even for smaller companies, smaller innovators who may have, who, who, who in years past didn't have a prayer of, of getting into a place like this, no matter how good their product was, right? There seems to, that seems to be changing quite a bit. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Part of it is, is our lineage. If you think about Standard Oil and Rockefeller, that, that had a very secret and insular culture, sure, if you will. Sure, sure. And I think we, we have learned sometimes the hard way. Um, that's not necessarily the best way to uh, then run our business and ultimately get to the position where we need to be. So. Got, yeah, got you. Okay, okay good. So, um, so this being the, the Digital Doers podcast, so we want to talk about getting digital done. How, um, let, let, let's talk about like what is the innovation framework, but not so much in the abstract, but how is it actually, how are you, you using it to help move these, um, these uh, objectives forward that previously Ben would have thrown people out of his office? <laughs> so, so, you know, thinking about the challenge and, you know, coming up with a way to, to unify how we think about uh, delivering value from innovation. And when you say innovation, what is that? Um, that, right. can be, that can be technology, hardware, you know, operational technology, can be digital as well. Right. And, and, and it can be and it can be a result of applied research. Sure. So, you know, go back to that cross section of individuals thinking about taking something that exists already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this in, in this case, it came from uh, Gina O'Connor. And if you read the book Grabbing Lightning, uh, it's fantastic for, for this. Uh, and recognizing that this is something that's been around forever and has been adopted by multiple organizations. So we, so this cross section of people then took that and we thought, well, what are our needs? Our needs here are not just focused on transformational innovation, but it's focused on both the whole, the whole the entire spectrum. So from your core or incremental innovation efforts right. all the way through to those game changer uh, transformations. Sure, sure. And then you take and you you take that and, and now we adapted it to our needs for ExxonMobil to be able to deliver value. But it was a, it's a framework. Right. And so now we have we have a framework to be more consistent in our delivery of value from innovation. And then the way that we have operationalized that then, to your point, for let's say digital or technology specifically, um, is, is by taking that framework one step further for the upstream and thinking about you know, what are the more specific uh, steps or methodology or approach to kind of guide folks through that in the upstream. And that's kind of where, so I, I'd say I wear two hats. I, have my, I wear an ExxonMobil hat with a more general interest in mind. And then I have my upstream uh, technology yeah, innovation yeah, yeah. advisor hat as well. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so how, um, so, and people are embracing it? I mean, except for the, you know. The, well, no, you, you, we laugh about, yeah, the operations people. They don't, they don't kick us out of the office anymore. We, we actually <laughs> went straight to them and began yeah. to then talk um, to all of our operations, boots on the ground folks. And in fact, we believe that a lot of the innovation is actually happening on what we call the edge, out at the edge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And rather than in, let's call it a think tank in an ivory tower. Sure. And, and if, we, if you believe that, then we have to get 
than the operational folks well-versed in, in this mental model and framework so that they can bring that innovation from the edge very quickly um, to the center and out through the networks to another edge, yep, if you will. Yep, yep. And I see that as a very powerful um, program, if you will, that, that we've been implementing and trying to then educate, inform, and, and, and motivate the folks out at the edge using this innovation framework saying it's, it's you at the edge that's going to help us ultimately drive, right. you know, um, several of the elements of innovation. Yeah, and you have to, right, you have to be careful how you do that. You don't want to, like, you don't want to drive them over the edge. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, so, so what is their, like, so in practical terms, if I'm one of those, one of those people out there, um, uh, and now you've introduced me to this, this different way of working, um, like, what do I do differently? I'll give you a great example. So um, one of the, my favorite people in this company is a woman named Maggie Burns. Um, oh, yeah. Maggie came up through the, we call it the field ranks. She started as a field operator, cut her right. teeth, you know, boots on the ground, mud in her fingers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now she's part of what we call our embedded fusion team. Um, within unconventional organization. Okay. Unconventional is one of our, our large global business lines. Right, right. They have got what they call a team of teams approach, where then she's a hub, um, and she then is interacting with other folks' boots on the ground, and she's, she's talking to them daily, weekly basis, hey, what are some of your pain points and problems that you've got, and how can technology enable it? And she's a bit of the, now the translator of, uh, here's okay. your challenge, I understand the technology space, but I have great empathy with you because I've been in your shoes. Right, right. And now I'm I'm then able to then apply some of these technology solutions to your your challenges. And, and we in a, in a central group are then helping Maggie feed, if you will, um, those challenges with the solutions. So yeah, 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 I get it. So so the innovation framework is really uh, is in some ways. Um, is how you've connected the the innovators with those who could benefit from the innovation, right? Yeah. And and uh, um, and bring those. So so one is in you know they're informing each other, and and then that gives you a chance to. So what so what do you do when like let's say you're getting um, so Maggie is hearing from people um, and. Uh, and and she's identifying like okay if we if we were able to do this it would benefit a, a bunch of people in a big way right so then like and and this is and and I'm and this I think this is an important question because this is where a lot of organizations kind of get stuck like how do you turn that into um, something that's like funded executable yeah. right like it, a lot of times those ideas and those observations that say we could really benefit from this they just get lost in the corporate planning churn mm. um, yeah I think um, one of the and we stole some of these ideas from from other people and in, in other industries but we don't necessarily have to come back to the central bureaucracy to then fund and enable those solutions that's crazy talk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I and we we think by getting the we call it these these embedded fusion teams and if you think about 
when we say fusion teams, it's the fusion of the business acumen and the technology acumen. Mm -hmm. And we, we actually call them purple people. So these fusion teams are kind of this group of purple people. Sure. Um, and they're out and they're, they're fully supported and funded. Um, and they're able to then execute based on Maggie's um, needs mm -hmm. without needing to go through any um, bureaucracy to enable that to happen. That that's huge, especially for a company this this big and with this with the history and everything. That's that's so. What um, um, so then how do you? Okay, so now that gets us to now we got to actually innovate something. So what um, but you know if you don't. I mean, you got to, you've got a need, it's, you got people that can execute, you got funding, but what happens if you don't have a solution? Then, then well, what happens? That's where the, the, the framework kind of helps with that guiding, uh, those, the guiding principles around delivering value uh, from innovation. And one of the challenges, you know, a lot of companies, you might hear folks complaining, we're, we're just not innovative enough, we're not an innovative company. Uh, and I would challenge that in most cases. And when you say, well, we have a need or a problem, what the innovation framework does is really is, is helps you to articulate that problem and then really understand, is it truly a need? Because not every idea is a good idea, right? <laughs> and so some ideas are just shocked, not yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And so being able to, art, to articulate the value of an opportunity, have that well thought out, understanding the, you know, the entire landscape relative to that, what is the size of the prize there? And then walking you through how do I then develop multiple concepts or ways to solve that problem is then where the innovation comes up. It's that, you know, if you've heard of the, you know, divergence and convergence kind of principles right, right, with right. innovation. But it's, it's really focusing on falling in love with that problem versus falling in love with a solution per se. So do you have people who are kind of organized around like, like the people, the teams of people who are like the, like they're just waiting for the next like hard problem to come in and then they're going to kind of put their brains on it and figure out how do we solve it? Or does it happen like more organically? I, I would say it happens more organically. Um, if I go back to my Maggie example, if you will, right. You know, Maggie's, you know, she's boots on the ground out in the Permian out in, um, our unconventional asset, um, groups when she needs the support of a, let's call it high-end computational and data scientist, if mm -hmm, you will, mm -hmm. to design algorithms or whatever, you know, she, she doesn't have to go and submit a, a form, if you will, and then wait for the bureaucracy to, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, send her a resource. People know that then, hey, Maggie's in our embedded fusion teams. If she's working on something, it's because mm -hmm. there is explicit a value proposition around it and right. her, her, her asset manager, if you will, is saying, Maggie, yes, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree yeah. with it. So she can basically tap people directly to start working her problem. Right. She right. doesn't need to come through anybody. She just needs to know who the right, um, yeah. computational and data science, where that talent exists and who those people are. But, okay. But now how do those people like now I'm a, I'm a really, I'm a great data scientist and I got, I got 14 Maggie's all wanting me to work on, on, on her stuff. How, how does that get handled? Yeah. So I think, I mean, the, the idea of prioritization is always then this, yeah. this master formula that everybody's looking for an algorithm to solve. Right. And, sure. And, sure. and I don't think it is an algorithm to solve, but it, I believe that's where you, you then need, 
I'll call it a collection of people in the central bureaucracy that have been out in operations or, or over in research or in some other central um, type of role, and they need to put their heads together and make a judgment call when there's pain points. But I think it's clear if, if we've said, hey, the business has, has trusted, I'll call it the fusion team enough to dedicate people and, and a bucket of money to, mm-hmm. that means the business is then, that has been a, priorita- a prioritized approach, if you will, to digital transformation. Right. So the senior leadership of our unconventional has said, we're going to do digital transformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to provide, if you will, this this resource base to do that. And when they come calling, you respond with how yeah. high, how far. That that so that what you just said on there is huge is to have that that directive coming from the from the highest levels that says, yeah, this is this is important. When they when they say um because, uh, so now that makes me think of another thing that a lot of companies have struggled with, which is executives who say, we're going to do digital transformation. But like, do you have, have you identified particular objectives and value that you want to get from that? Or do you just want to do digital transformation the same way that you wanted to just do cloud, the same way that you wanted to just do web, the same way that you just wanted to do data warehousing, the same way that you wanted to write all and, and, and uh, all of that. Like how does, does the digital transformation, um, have clearly stated, this is what we expect to get out of it in our, in our business. Yeah, I, I think... Um, Rich, you're the advisor. You should know this. I, <laughs> but, but I work for Ben. So, okay. so. <laughs> no, I, I think the short answer is yes. And, and one of the prerequisites of having, for example, an embedded team is you need to have a portfolio of opportunities. And those portfolio of opportunities has to tie back to business outcomes yeah. that are supported, if you will, by the senior leadership team. Yeah. And that then helps a lot um, as it relates to then just, I'll call it doing digital transformation for the sake of yeah, digital yeah, sure. transformation. So business outcomes as an example would be, and I only, I only, I'm only kind of pushing this button because like that's a popular word now. And I've heard lots of people talk about business outcomes without actually identifying any of them. So like what would be some, some, some of the, some example business outcomes that you, you know, without, without disclosing anything that you're not supposed to talk about. But like, if I'm sitting out there and I'm listening to this and I'm saying, okay, but, and I'm thinking about, I need to get more serious about digital transformation. Maybe I need this kind of fusion thing, but what am I, what can I expect to get out of it? Right. In real, like oil and gas business terms. So just common terms, um, 5% uplift in our existing wells. So meaning 5% more production. Okay, so um, that's serious. Right? That's real. Yeah. Or you know, $50 million a year in, in, in cost structure OPEX reduction. Right. These are the business outcomes that, that are then tied to each uh, of the opportunities. And, and so presumably somebody's able, probably Rich, is able to say... <laughs> Is able to like connect the dots that say we're doing this project over here because it feeds into ultimately this these these high level outcomes. So in, therein lies the the challenge, right? A lot of times we, to get to these business outcomes, it's actually it's a, a series of multiple um, 
efforts that might be delivering, let's say, indirect value or those soft benefits, those efficiencies, those, those sure. productivity increases. But the culmination of those, and if you think about these from a portfolio perspective, the culmination of all those then um, drives your portfolio ambition towards these business objectives that Ben was yeah. talking about. So, and um, well, it, it, which is important because it, it helps, you know, what's the old, the leadership model, right? Like you, what are the, of, of uh, not a leadership model, but it was some military general who said, you have to, you have to tell people what you want them to do, why they're doing it and, and what it's going to look like when it's done. Right. That, um, but then the struggle is why I'm doing this has sort of a, 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 not short term, but sort of a close in front of me reason, Hmm. but all those reasons add up to this bigger reason. Like you said, like who's the master orchestrator to make sure that all the little whys, you know, build up and add up to the to the big why? Because that won't necessarily just happen, like naturally, right? Yeah, I I, I think maybe going back to Rich's point, there is some enabler. We we almost in our company we we call them our digital program um, maturity measures, and these are what we would think of as foundational aspects of digital transformation that must be invested in and much must grow into maturity to enable, if you will, these outcomes, 5% yeah. uplift, whatever. And, and what we've tried to do um, is educate our senior leadership on, hey, if we don't have these maturity and we're not I'll call it all in on on these kind of foundational elements, right? And and don't sort of change based on the cycle, if you will, that we're in. We we won't get to those business outcomes, yeah. and so I think that also is is part of the the call it the enabling part of the digital transformation that has been a journey, and and we're still yeah. yeah still working on the education and, and proving that those foundational components need to be in. Yeah. So you can say, um, unless, so, so you've identified that certain capabilities at various levels, you know, new ways of doing things, new technologies being applied, all, all the things that we always talk about digital transformation, you, you identify all those things and you go, okay, we know that we have, we have, we have reason, strong reason to believe that if we have these sort of foundational components in place, that, that w- that's going to enable us to do these higher level things. Um, doesn't mean it's automatically going to happen, but, but we know for sure that we're not going to be able to do those things if we don't have this underneath stuff, right? right. So yeah. Examples of that, like we, we call it, one of the maturity measures is, is digital infrastructure. We call it the kit. So um, when we say kit, it's it's fiber, it's LTE, it's Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. those types of edge devices, et cetera. Those are the kit that if you don't have a lot of that installed, and again, those are not going to give you business outcome impacts by installing that yeah, and getting yeah. it um, uh, up and going, but are key to enabling, if you will, then... You got you to gotta have the... Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Good. It, it's good stuff. Um, it's really good to hear... Um, that there's real, it, it's great to hear a company, especially as, as big as ExxonMobil, 
who's doing digital and seeing, I mean, that's the whole reason why we started this show really, um, is because, uh, is because, well, um, partially because I got tired of reading like, like management consulting articles about how oil and gas isn't making any progress in digital transformation. (laughs) (laughs) And, And, and I thought, well, we are like, like, first of all, you know, we really just started it about three years ago is when the industry started taking it seriously. Um, and, and there were, and there's a whole, I can, I can give a whole talk on why we didn't take it seriously before then and why we started taking it seriously at that point. Um, and, and there is progress, but this is a big complex industry and you don't just like, you don't, you don't just see, uh, realize these things overnight, right? It takes, yeah. it takes time. So, but, but, uh, but you guys are nodding and saying like, yes, we are seeing value in the business, right? These, th- these aren't just science experiments. No, in fact, we, we, what's really interesting with, with the, I'll call it the approach that Rich has led in terms of implementing the innovation framework or operationalizing it, what we call it is, when you have value realized from digital or technology in general, one thing that we've really stressed, and it's it's a discipline, is the only people that can report the value realized from digital is, is if you will, the folks out in the yeah. field or out in the business. Doing the real work, right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and therefore, you can't have the technologists if you are saying this is how much benefit we've delivered to the corporation, yeah, <laughs> you have to fair and, enough, and therefore yeah. you, it's yeah. kind of a bit of a scorecard, if you will, of saying, hey, right, you know, if if we're if we're really doing all the things that we said we are doing, yeah, yeah, the the line management that has the profit and loss accountable, right, is is actually reporting that back into the the right. corporation, right? We shouldn't have to gin up our own uh, KPI report that shows what a great job we're doing, yeah. so. Um, so that's good. So I have one, I, and, and I'm looking at the time here. It's probably, this is probably a good time to, to wrap up because besides it being that part where, you know, people stop listening, um, <laughs> is, is we also, we're like infringing on lunchtime here. So, um, but, but maybe Rich, since you're the advisor, um, uh, it, somebody's listening to this and they're going, that sounds great. We got none of that. Um, what what advice would you give somebody for how to actually uh, start like moving effectively in this direction? I'd say be bold. Go. go. <laughs> yeah. Go, be bold and go. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, it's um, there's a lot of appetite for this in every corporation, and uh, it's just a matter of kind of articulating it in a way that makes it understandable, and consumable, and and usable. And so I'd say. Um, be bold. Be bold. Be bold. Um, that's 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 probably as good advice as any because you can't because there's plenty of places you can look for for. Um, I mean, you came up with an innovation framework. Um, other people have done other things. It's not like it's not like it's hard to figure out what you ought to be doing, right? It's it's how to actually get your company moving in that direction. It's unifying yeah. behind it. So right. there's plenty of frameworks out there. Yeah. Get pick, on one. Pick one and go. Pick one. Pick one and go. All right, excellent. All right, good. Um, uh, uh, and, and I don't know, maybe uh, um, Ben or Ken, either one. Uh, <laughs> any uh, on the off chance that there's a that there's a, a, a seasoned operations person out there listening to this, going, oh, I'm not so sure. What would you? Uh, any 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 jewels of wisdom for uh, for those folks? You know, I I. I think it's still healthy to be skeptical. 
That's a good point. Good point. And it's really important that you are convinced because you are not just accountable for the profit and loss, but also the safety and well-being of the people that are under your care in that space. Yeah. Um, and I would I would seek out though folks that that then have kind of an operational mindset um, to to advise you on is this fluff or something different because. Yeah. I do think there's still a lot of noise, let's call it out there, that are that's more fluff related that can really actually get us into a lot of trouble if we just accept kind of that fluffiness. So I think it's okay to be skeptical, but you also have to be patient with the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed individual who comes into your office with this bold concept or bold yeah. idea. Don't throw them out right away. Right. Don't don't throw them out. Period. Um, <laughs> have the patience to really listen yeah. and learn what it is that that they're actually talking about and what they're right. saying. To yeah, you. that's good. Yeah. I, I I actually like the first thing you said, which is really don't. Um, none of this means that, that you have to compromise on the good practices and the principles and all the things that you've used to keep people safe and yeah. protect the company interests and things like that. So excellent. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Rich Copsey, Ben Kennett. And Ken Bennett, all of us uh, uh, appreciate you guys having me out here to uh, to Futureville, and uh, I always feel like this looks like a very futuristic sort of city kind of thing out here in the campus, and everything everything works really like like the blinds that go up and down automatically based on the the sun moving and stuff like that, and the it's uh, it's a cool it's a cool place. So. Um, yes. All right, that's it. I think we're going to try to go get some food and, uh, and we'll wrap this up. And I just got a couple of more things to say. But thanks again, guys, for uh, being on the show. Yeah, thanks. thank you. All right, folks, there you have it. ExxonMobil's very own Ben Kennett and Rich Copsey and the Innovation Framework marching band, I feel like I need to say at the end of that. Anyway, it's a fantastic story and I really appreciate those guys making time um, and uh, inviting me out there to their... Uh, to that, to that amazing place they have. Uh, just a couple more things to tell you. Uh, first thing is, now, if you happen to be hearing this episode, and if, if, if right now while you're listening to it, it is Thursday, July 29th, which is possible. Um, it's, it's probably unlikely, but it is possible. So if it's Thursday, July 29th, uh, and it's not 6 o'clock in the evening yet, and you're in Houston, then what you need to do when you're done here listening to this, or maybe even, you know, just while you're listening to this, drive out to the Canon on Britmore, uh, out in West Houston, we are having the, uh, <laughs> what are we having? We're having the Oil and Gas Global Network, the OGGN July 2021 Happy Hour, which uh, is always a good time. There's food, there's drinks, there's going to be a great panel discussion, which uh, I believe I will be moderating, so um, wish me luck. And uh, and you should come out and hang out with some other folks from the industry. There's, there's usually a good crowd, and of course the Canon is a fantastic place. So if you miss it, then just look, check out our LinkedIn, um, our LinkedIn. And, uh, and, and there's another one coming up in August. They're on the last Thursday of every month. So uh, you can also connect with OGGN on LinkedIn just in general. And you can find out about all the great things that are going on, including we got new shows coming out this year like crazy. We've already done several new ones. This is this being one of them. We also did Journey to the Energy C-Suite uh, with Ryan Sanford, which is which is a great show. Also, Energy Scale-Ups, Jose Solis is killing it over there. Um, 
lots of lots of great stories, lots of great uh, lots of great guests. Um, we got another one coming soon uh, that is going to be. I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you this or not, but it's uh, it's it's called Low Carbon Solutions. So. Um, and, and it's, it's going to be good. I think it's, it's really going to be, it's going to be OGGN's take on, uh, the energy transition, which of course, uh, is going to be excellent. Um, I, I think that's it. I think that's all I'm going to tell you about right now. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. If you go to the Canon, um, any one of the Canon locations in Houston, this is only for the Houston people, but if you go, or if you're visiting the Houston, visiting Houston and you need a place to work, go to the Canon, tell them you heard about it on OGGN and you will get a free day pass what could be better than that? So uh, we, we love those guys down there. They're, they're, they're good friends. We do a lot together, and uh, we thank them for all their support. And now you can get a free day pass to see what all the fuss is about. That's going to do it for today, folks. As always, um, thank you to our audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who uh, had to do a little bit extra work on this one, but, uh, but I know he can handle it. Uh, it's a walk in the park. That'll do it for today, folks. See you next time. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. Oh,